Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We had uh, lost so many of our Jewish brothers and sisters in Holocaust on our territory. And one of the very famous survivors of Holocaust, Ellie Wiesel, said that you always have to take sides because the silence or neutrality always help the oppressor and never those that are oppressed. So it's time to take sides and it's time to take Ukrainian side because we are defending our home. I've been looking forward to talking to Mike Lyons all weekend because I have questions that only he can answer. Mike holds a Bachelor of Science degree from the United States Military Academy at West Point. He served with various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career and uh, knows what he's talking about. Mike Lyons, welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be back. You know, it. Uh, we've talked to you, I don't know, what, four times in the last weeks because so much changes in any 24-hour yeah. period. So much changed over the weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. for, first of all, your initial impressions of how the weekend went. Good for Ukraine. Ukraine wins by not losing. And um, seeing more evidence that this was really a very poorly planned um, strategic operational mover by the Russians. Um, they looked at this more, as I see now, as a special op, not necessarily this blitzkrieg attack in multiple echelons, bring everything to bear at once, combined arms, Navy, air, strategic weapon. None of that happened. Um, they ended up coming in through Ukraine on main roads. You know, we were going to wait for the ground to freeze and have them, you know, be able to travel across the countryside. None of that happened. They decided to come in on the roads. They've been picked off. They've been bogged down. They've run out of gas. Their logistics and communication lines have all been broken. So Ukraine has clearly exceeded expectations. It's not over by any stretch, but um, but there's no question that the Russians are are clearly bogged down right now. And let's see if they learn. Let's see if anything changes. But uh, the situation is still, still pretty dire for the Ukraine citizen. Do you think Putin looked at Afghanistan and saw what happened, for instance, in Kabul, the way you know, the Taliban showed up outside of town. The president left. They just walked in there and took over. There was no mm-hmm. resistance. Did Putin think that was going to happen in Ukraine? Yeah, I think so. I think he thought that they were going in as liberators. They're clearly invaders. Um, while there are certain parts of Ukraine that are uh, more aligned with Russia, let's say, in in, um, in Kharkiv, for example, a town that, that if, maybe if they had a vote, they might decide to go back to, to join Russia. However, you're seeing now videos of that town being bombed, civilians being killed, um, you know, war crimes happening now laying laying out there clearly. So um, what's happened in Kiev, the, the capital, has just been incredible. I think you're going to see, and, and the leadership shown um, by the president, by Zelensky, is just something we haven't seen since, you know, since the Second World War. So he, he's, he's now taken his forces and he's put them across, you know, while well, we think it's three major axes, it's really seven approaches to these places. I, it doesn't look like he wanted to destroy these cities. He wanted to encircle them and kind of chuck them off, but he, he still can't even get close to, to many of them right now. Uh, a quick aside before we get to the specific military stuff again, I was talking earlier uh, in the show about we saw the great man of history, the great man theory of history play out over the week, because if Zelensky had taken our president's advice and left mm-hmm. the country, how different yeah. is the story than him in camo on the street with his cell phone saying, I'm still here, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition? Yeah, it crumbles. I, I it, you know, we've our country's been blessed. We've talked about this that we've always had the kind of the right person at the right time 
at the right spot. Not sure we have it right now, but they sure do uh, with that guy, you know, there, enduring the hardship, um, in camo, in, in, you know, talking to people on the ground, defending in place. So um, that, that, that's a combat multiplier for that, those civilians. It also shows you what it's like when a country has these kinds of weapons scattered out in the civilian a community, it, you know, they're going to fight if they ever get inside these cities. There, it's going to be a literally a building to building kind of block to block fight. It's going to go on. It's going to go on uh, for a long time. So let's let's hope cooler heads can prevail. But boy, what an inspirational leader that president's been. So you said something a couple of years ago. I wish I'd have written it down because it always sticks in my head. I know, I know. The second half, of the you said something, something, something is easy. The real challenge, the real where the rubber meets the road, the real talent is in logistics. And that's yeah. what we're seeing play out here, I guess, is, is the ability to get gasoline to your trucks and food and et cetera. Yeah, tooth to tail ratio for this um, heavy ar- armored column is incredible. It's like five to one. What that means is they've got to have almost five uh, vehicles to, to reload and, and to rearm and, and refuel those tanks and, and again some of the pictures i've seen are incredible the tops blown off of some of those t80 tanks that's the those are world-class tanks I, I cannot imagine if the same thing was happening to american forces here we would be absolutely losing our minds um but the bottom line is coming from where they started in the eastern part of ukraine it's about 400 miles to get to the city where they want to go that's a really long supply line. So those tanks get maybe eight gallons to the mile they just they have to be refueled all the time um, and then, again, they're on the main roads. We're seeing these javelins and the, and the Ukraine citizens literally picking off these convoys, and they're not able to, to refuel. And so now the tank becomes a pillbox, a sitting target. And while it's a, still a pretty good pillbox, you, you pound that thing enough, um, you're going to get the guys out of it and the tank defeated. So I, I just cannot get over the fact that the Russians didn't factor this. They haven't learned from it. I, I, they really thought it was just not going to go this way. They thought it was going to blitzkrieg their way in. It just hasn't worked out. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is I, I kept hearing reports over the weekend as as world opinion changed, you know, in a 24, 48-hour period, Germany going from, uh, you know, we're not helping with anything to, hell yeah, we'll help. We'll send weapons. We'll, we'll, right. we'll join in on the, uh, the sanctions, all that sort of stuff. But all these different countries, including the United States, pledging Stinger missiles or anti-tank weapons right. or whatever – how long does it take to get them there? None of the reporting ever includes, and they'll get them in May, or they'll yeah. get them tomorrow. I don't have any sense of that. Well, this is a good example of when they want to, countries can kind of clear their desks, right? I mean, like when, when, when you kill a cop in New York City, the cops all clear their desks, and all they focus on is that one thing, is finding the guy who did it. Well, that's what's going to happen here, and countries are going to clear their desks, and they're piling supplies in, into aircraft right now, cargo aircraft, and they're getting it to Poland as fast as can. We're going to pour in the kind of combat material that they're, they're going to need. It looks like that border is still open to get the material to the, the Ukrainians and the civilians that are there. So uh, you're going to be surprised. You're going to see a lot of things hit in the next, I'd say, 24 to 48 hours. Really? So within 24 hours, yeah. some of that stuff will yeah. be hitting the country. That's fantastic. That's- yeah, it's going to be good news, and this is what happens. And what the Germans did is just beyond belief on some level. I mean, given what you know, you saw Donald Trump tried to get uh, Merkel to do that back a couple of years ago, and Germany had been fundamentally indefensible of what you know their, their military is, is not deployable. They can't; they've not done anything. And the fact that they're not going to spend two percent, let's get them to three percent. Let's get them to the point where they can defend themselves. But this has been a tremendous wake-up call for all of Europe, and let's let Europe, let's let let some of those countries lead at this point. Yeah. And let's let's provide the logistics. Let's do what we do well. And we're, again, we're going to pour in that combat equipment. I think it's going to be great. So, 
getting back to to Russia's failures again, do you think mm-hmm. they're just not a good military? Uh, they made some bad assumptions, but they still have massive principles of war on their side, and that's why it's, it's not over. Um, and I'm just still concerned. And then when the atrocities start and providing the off-ramp, all those things are still going to be important here for to try to figure this out. Um, the Russians aren't a dumb military. They learn, and the question is how, how fast are they going to learn? Um, and are they going to try to get more troops there? Are they going to consolidate their axes of advance? There's there's a, an economy of, of of scale taking place on certain parts as they try to hold off the Ukraine military from from cutting off and moving um, Russian advancing units on the city right now. I think I think the focus is Kiev. Kiev is the center of gravity. Um, there's reports of um, the the Wagner Group, which are basically mercenaries. Mercenaries are also going to start pouring in from all sides. Americans, you're going to see British, you're going to see all kinds of crazy people now pouring in there to try to fight this war. But but we know Wagner, which is basically the little green men that have been in these places before. They're now looking specifically to try to assassinate Zelensky and some of the people there because Putin thinks if he could take the leadership out, then the rest of the, the country falls. That might have been true a week ago. I, yeah. I think he kills Zelensky. He's doomed. I think the world rises up. Everybody's. Uh, I saw a, a tweet yesterday. They said, guys, just get used to it. Your wife or your girlfriend is in love with Zelensky. I mean, the, yeah. the world has, has come to respect this guy at such a level. I think Putin takes him out. There's going to be yeah. so much anger and, and, and wanting to uh, not let him die in vain. He'll be a martyr. Yeah, and as we talked about, this is all being filmed. I mean, I, I had a hard time looking at that that video of him and his group and oh. reinforcing folks saying we're here. And yep. I'm, just, I'm saying this guy could be dead in 48 hours. I, I just I'm struggling with the civilized world letting that happen. And I'm, I'm just glad that, that Europe woke up and let's let's pour in these these uh, reinforcements of supplies that we can and let's do, do all we can to keep the Ukraine uh, military from not losing. That's really what this is all about. It's going to be difficult to de- totally defeat, although the fact that they've killed, it looks like, you know, they've destroyed over almost 200 tanks. It's unth- It takes a lot of guts to sit there with, even with that javelin, we, we act like it's a video game. That thing is not as simple as it is. You have to paint that target. You have to, it's going to have a signature. You're going to be under fire yourself. It's a pretty gutsy thing to do to kill a tank, and we've killed a whole bunch of them there, it looks like right now. Oh, and you saw the story probably of the guy who blew himself on, up on the bridge to take the bridge out before right. the Russians could advance. I mean, it's just, the, the, the stories of heroism are absolutely unbelievable. Believable. But yeah. I keep bracing for, you know, I, a lot of the world didn't follow what was going on in Syria when Russia was bombing hospitals and that sort of thing. And you just wonder, when does Russia decide, OK, we're going to we're going to do what we did in Syria? Well, this is still on being filmed. I think that's going to be the issue here versus there. It wasn't as, it, as prevalent in terms of what we saw on the Internet. Elon Musk has now opened up his SATCOM systems. And so, so you know, the Russians have not deployed the kind of cyber uh, defenses or the cyber offenses that we thought were going to happen. They haven't shut the lights off. They haven't really shut that down yet. So I think that's, I think that's all part of it. This is all going to be on tape, and people are seeing it, you know, every day. I think that's a big part of it. Well, he's got to be careful with the cyber. We were talking last hour on NATO with the warning of, uh, you know, well, now consider we may consider cyber attacks uh, for Article of Five. So, you know, you shut off the power in Ukraine and it also shuts off the power in Poland. And we might take a look at that. I hope we are on a, a somewhat of a high alert status here in our country for it, because that's where it'll come from. It'll come without Russian fingerprints, but it'll fundamentally come from there. Um, cyber is that domain that oversees everything. And um, we're at a place 
where if we decide, we've got to be careful if we decide to go on the offensive, there, there's still a lot of unintended consequences that happen uh, that also could happen to him. We, we saw him put his units on higher alert. He said that publicly. Now, we've done this in the past ourselves. We just don't put it out publicly. We, we, it just kind of you know, gets out there. I think we've got to be concerned about that as well. Mike Lyons, you never disappoint. Um, really great to talk to somebody with your knowledge. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, that, that's some good stuff right there. That is some good stuff right there. It is it is public opinion worldwide. That's what changed everything. That's why Putin can't do the things that he has done in other countries when we weren't paying attention um, for whatever reason. And uh, so all these people in the streets in, in, in cities all around the world, giant, giant crowds all over the world in support of the Ukrainians. And uh, if Putin has any you know, rationality left in him, he realizes this is going the wrong direction. And then if I take out Zelensky, bomb a hospital, anything like that, uh, it is going to do me more harm than good militarily. Anyway, we got a lot more on the way. I hope you can stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, but the idea of invading a country in which everyone hates you and most of the adults are actually willing to try to kill you is just chilling. That means that no route can be secure. Uh, that means you can never stop, rest, uh, pull maintenance, rearm, refuel without enormous security around you. Uh, and it also if seen today, you can get into a city even, but you're not going to be able to hold it because urban combat above all is impossible under these circumstances unless you do. And I fear that we will see more of this. And you mentioned the use of grad rockets and so forth. I fear that we will see out of Russian frustration uh, and so forth and, and an inability to make progress, they will really start to rubble areas. Let's keep in mind what they did to Grozny so uh, that's David Petraeus. He was the commander when we went into Iraq um, or Afghanistan or both. Anyway, you remember him. He was in charge of everything for a while and it turned out he was having an affair with some woman. And he got booted out of everything. And this is the first time I've seen him on TV in a while. He should be on TV all the time because regardless of his personal life, he obviously knows a bore about uh either side of an insurgency than practically anybody on the planet and talking about uh because i saw the first part of that interview on msnbc he was talking about how when they went into it was iraq when when they went into iraq they were actually being the u.s was actually being greeted with applause because people didn't like saddam hussein and his thuggish kids uh, they were happy to see him go now you know uh, they started to uh, perceive it as an occupation and the insurgency turned against us and that all that but in the originally when we went in they were applauding as we drove down the streets and he's talking about imagine going into ukraine where i don't know if putin was so delusional that he thought he because he claims he's liberating ukraine that's what putin claims he claims he's liberating the ukrainian people from nazis does he actually believe that crap? Like, he thought the Ukrainians would be cheering him coming in? Well, as Petraeus said, imagine coming in and every man, woman, and child wants you dead. So anytime you stop to try to change a tire or fill up with gas, people are shooting at you. 
I mean, it's so it's to the point that the former Miss Ukraine, Anastasia Lena, saw pictures of her trading in her high heels for army boots, it says here. But there's pictures of her with an AK-47. Everybody's fighting the Russians. That's kind of interesting. Talking about Zelensky and how brave he has been and how he has turned the mood of the entire world in his favor. Well, this is breaking news. Ukraine's president... Zelensky is urging President Biden and NATO to impose a no-fly zone over parts of the country, telling Axios in a statement that Ukraine can beat the aggressor if the Western allies do their part. Zelensky's passionate appeals to the West have yielded major steps on sanctions and military aid that would have been unthinkable two weeks ago, but direct military engagement with Russia with a no-fly zone so far has been a red line. Uh, I would say yes, that... So far, a no-fly zone has been a red line. It would be our planes, or some of our planes anyway, our pilots. But, as Jonathan Swan and Axios pointed out, there's a whole bunch of things that were red lines two weeks ago. Ending Nord Stream Pipeline was a red line. Uh, Swift Bank sanctions were a red line. Germany giving arms, all these different countries giving arms to Ukraine were red lines. And they've changed their mind of all those, so... Who knows if maybe changing the mind on a no-fly zone enforced by NATO is a, a change that's coming also. I do not know. A lot of people wondering where Joe is. I probably should read some of those texts. Um, I don't know if he's getting that operation he'd been talking about where he can become the person he's always wanted to be. I don't know, but we'll get into that later. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Just today, uh, the news is grim. The uh, stock exchange, the Russian stock exchange has been uh, closed. Interest rates uh, doubled to 20%. uh, So uh, there are real pressures. President Putin is under pressure, just not, uh, not just militarily, but diplomatically and economically. Yeah, I'm reading from Reason, or I'm sorry, Commentary magazine with an article about the uh, the economic sanctions and everything else. A new order is rapidly supplanting the old one. The geopolitical status quo that prevailed for decades, like my entire adult life, melted away over the course of a single weekend. Now all of Europe and partner states in the Pacific region, including Japan, South Korea, Australia, Singapore, and others, have locked arms in a campaign of crippling economic warfare against Moscow, something that Putin didn't suspect. Well, what, it's, what is it like there in Moscow as the ruble is now worth less than a one U.S. cent? Let's check in with Felix Light, as we did last week. He's a CBS radio news reporter and also with the Moscow Times in Moscow. Felix, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it could be, uh, it could be better, of course, you know, given the news of the last weekend, but uh, I'm, all, I'm all right. So uh, what do you notice? I mean, are, are people paying attention to the collapse of their economy that happened over the course of one weekend? Oh, well, certainly. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of concern about the situation. You know, one thing you saw quite often, quite a lot today and over the last few days was sort of large queues of sort of ATMs that had uh, sort of um, 
the war that were at least rumored to have foreign currency. You know, people are very keen to get their hands on some dollars or some euros because of the, uh, the collapsing currency, you know. And when this isn't the first time sort of the ruble has collapsed because of sort of like foreign policy crises, you know, and what you'll often have to have is sort of people trying to offload uh, their rubles before they uh, they lose their value. So, you know, yesterday was Sunday and sort of the market didn't open until today. And so you had a lot of people sort of spending on luxury goods yesterday trying to get rid of rubles that were soon going to be worthless. So, yeah, you know, it does, it does have huge consequences. And I think, you know, it is going to get worse. And everyone is very aware of how bad it is going to get here. You know, we're, we're looking at sort of hyperinflation. We're looking at unemployment. We're looking at all sorts of sort of grim indicators of the Russian economy in the, uh, in the months ahead, I think. Well, I suppose people's reaction to that depends on what uh, what their theory of the case is. I mean, if they believe Russian state media that they are under attack and or are liberating Ukrainians from the oppressive NATO, then maybe they're okay with suffering this. But if they have the real information that their president, Putin, is on a weird adventure for some personal reasons, they might not be so supportive. What What do you feel the... Which way is the wind blowing for most of the Russian population? Well, I think this is clearly, you know, a population that's very divided. I think, you know, the state... sort of You have sort of state-run opinion polling as well as you have state-run media here. And the state-run opinion pollsters have actually come out with sort of, you know, polls saying that 70% of Russians... Uh, support the intervention. Now, you know, it might be that like a majority of Russians support the uh, the invasion of uh, of Ukraine, but I don't think it's a large majority. I think this is a very split society. And you know, you saw that in the kind of the protests. We've seen sort of about 4,000 people arrested over the last few days for protesting. You know, in a country like this, not a democracy, but a strict, hard, dictatorial, you know, authoritarian regime. That is impressive in its own right. You know, there are huge consequences associated with protesting. And so when people go and do it, and they do it in those kind of numbers, and they do it for this kind of length of time, then that shows, I think, the depth of opinion, the depth of sort of horror of what is going on in Ukraine. You've been following Putin over the years. Do you have any sense, as some people do, that maybe he's lost it, gone a little crazy? Well, you know, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist, of course, but you know, I think there are questions to be asked about what sort of what sort of COVID and sort of pandemic kind of isolation have done to him. You know, what we're looking at is a guy who's sort of basically been living under an incredibly strict sort of personal isolation regime for two years now. You know, he basically doesn't talk to people uh, or doesn't have any sort of meaningful contact with people outside his immediate staff. You know, and a lot of his sort of darkest sort of instincts and obsessions have really, I think, sort of deepened. And I think, in a very real sense, I think he has, and then perhaps the wider Russian elite have, you know, lost contact with, with reality. You know, they, they had formulated a military invasion plan that sort of seemed to assume that the Ukrainians would instantly surrender and they'd have the country in two days. You know, that was ludicrous, and it, and it proved to be ludicrous. And the result of that is, you know, 5,000 dead Russian soldiers. And, you know, that, that, to me, speaks to, yeah, you know, a regime that has, in its own way, lost grip of reality. That's really interesting. Felix Light, reporter, CBS Radio and the Moscow Times. Thanks for joining us today. You can follow him on Twitter, Felix underline Light. Thank you. Uh, that's interesting that he has a number of 5,000 dead Russian soldiers. I don't know um, who's compiling those lists, but if that's the numbers, sort of numbers that they end up hearing in Russia, that could change opinion you know he says the society split and obviously he has no way of knowing there's no accurate polling it's a very large country but but no matter what what the 
proportion is that supports Putin at this point. As we saw over the weekend, momentum can change very, very quickly. Opinion can change very, very quickly. You had all these European countries that were holding firm against supplying arms, the tougher sanctions, and that, as it said in commentary, melted away over the weekend. Uh, in A lot of it in the face of the personality and the bravery of President Zelensky. When he's on that video call with European leaders saying, I might not see you again alive, and there's not a dry eye on the call, yeah, that's going to change some opinions. And those hundreds of thousands of people worldwide, it's got to be millions. Some of the biggest cities in the world, so many people in the streets supporting Ukraine. It's just, it's quite an amazing story. Um, I liked this test. Text. It's not a test. It's a text. Justin Trudeau heard that some truckers were in town and went into hiding. The Ukrainian leader is fighting alongside his men and women, knowing that he will probably die. Justin Trudeau is a suka. That's Russian for bitch. <laughs> I don't. I don't approve of that. I have blocked that texture, by the way, because I do not approve of that sort of language. But um, yeah, way to go, Trudeau. You're the world leader who went into hiding. So he was broadcasting for a bunker with his sweater and his perfect hair because some trunkers were honking their horns on the bridge. Or he could be Zelensky in the actual freaking literal trench with a helmet on saying you're going to stay there and you'll die if you have to. That's some leadership right there. Uh, we got a bunch of texts on where Joe is. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. Joe Getty hasn't been here Friday or today. bunch of texts about that. I'll read some of the texts, and I'll have an answer when we come back. Armstrong and Getty. These are still very early days that the Ukrainians might feel confident right now because we are still only on day five, but that Russia has a lot more power that it can send into this fight. About a third of all of the Russian troops that they had positioned around Ukraine are still uh, in a position to be put in to battle. They haven't yet been sent to the front lines, they haven't been sent into this country. There is that massive convoy outside of Kiev that could be heading uh, this way if it, if it receives the order to. To that point, a couple of different things, as we're, uh, I think we're all excited that uh, Ukraine has held up as well as it has, and no major cities are in the hands of the Russians, and uh, you know, you're rooting for the underdogs, but the favorites in this fight, and Russia has still got to be the favorite, um, you know, they get another say. There are reports I'm looking up at MSNBC. That was just Richard Engel you heard there from MSNBC. Possible cluster bombs being dropped in uh, Kharkiv. That's their second biggest city there in Ukraine. Cluster bombs are the sort of bombs that Putin used in Syria to just devastate the population. Also this from the New York Times minutes ago. 
New satellite images show Russian ground forces, a convoy stretched out over at least 17 miles within 30 miles of the capital of Kiev. The line of vehicles is so extensive that it was not entirely captured in Monday's satellite imagery. So um, there might be a lull here where it looks like Ukraine is winning and uh, Putin is just doubling down. I mean, he's just reinforcing and, you know, re-strategizing and um, who knows how that's going to turn out. Um, see if there's any latest that I need to hit you with right now. Oh, this is a... I think these kind of stories matter. Uh, Russia is no longer going to be allowed to participate in World Cup soccer, which is you know the biggest sport in the world, the biggest tournament in the world, and Russia is out. There's been a lot of that in the sports world. I think part of the reaction, worldwide reaction to what's going on, the the the, the coming to Ukraine's defense, is everybody being flabbergasted about the Olympics and how it unfolded. I think everybody's like, wait, wait, what? We're having the Olympics. They got a million slaves. They're committing a genocide, but we got people running and jumping and swimming. I mean, what what is this? And I think there is a bit of like embarrassment slash confusion, or we're not going to do that again um, with with the Russia Ukraine thing. And the sports world has really risen up and squashed Russia in a way that we should have around the. Well, you know, see, the Olympics are run by the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, which is as corrupt as Russia or Ukraine used to be. So that's part of that. But I'm glad to see uh, these various sports tournaments uh, getting canceled or moved out or teams getting kicked out or whatever. More, more political pressure. BP, the oil company, to exit its 20% stake in Russian oil giant Rosneft. Huge move, costing them billions of dollars year one. But so much political pressure to not be involved with Russia that they're not going to be. Here's something I read in the New York Times, Tom Friedman's column over the weekend that I thought it was really interesting as I was I was following this story all weekend long. I mean, I just I couldn't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it and watch it on my drive home. Tom Friedman wrote in the Times, it's been less than 24 hours since this was obviously... Days ago, it's been less than 24 hours since Russia invaded Ukraine, yet we already have more information about what's going on there than we would have had in a week during the Iraq war. That was a quote from Daniel Johnson, who served as an infantry officer and journalist with the U.S. Army in Iraq. Yeah, we're getting more reports in in real time out of this war, obviously, because technology has changed than we ever did in the past. And then this A quote from Adolf Hitler that I don't think I'd ever heard before from Tom Friedman's column. I'm reminded these days of what a different warped leader who decided to devour his neighbors in Europe observed. His name was Adolf Hitler, and he said, The beginning of every war... Let me start again so I get the quote right, otherwise it's no fun. The beginning of every war is like opening the door into a dark room. One never knows what is hidden in the darkness. So even Hitler knew that, and Putin's finding that out. You open the door of war into a dark room, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And as everybody keeps saying, Putin is getting more than he bargained for. The question is, is he rational enough to realize this is not going the right way and back down? Unlikely. Is he a little bit crazy and willing to set off a nuke? Oh, I I was going to read the tweet from Marco Rubio. I didn't get to that. A lot of people starting to recognize the do we want to corner Putin and put him in a position where he's more likely to use 
nuclear weapons. Some people quoting that uh, Art of War book, only surround your enemy on three sides. Leave them a way out. You don't want to complete. If you have somebody completely surrounded, completely backed into a corner where there's no option but death, they're willing to do anything. So we need to give some sort of off-ramp, I guess, for Putin so he can get out of there other than testing nukes like he threatened to do over the weekend. We'll have a lot more coverage on this tomorrow when Joe will be back. Joe Getty will be back to the Armstrong and Getty Show tomorrow answering the question from many of your textures, did Joe die? Joe did not die. He is not dead. Did Joe fly to Ukraine to fight against the Russians? No, he did not do that as far as I know. I don't really know what he's doing, but I don't think he's fighting Russians. We also got this text. I assume Joe is dead. As co-host, can we have your permission to date Judy? She sounds terrific. I'm not really sure how this works. No, he's not dead. And and if he did die, I don't think as co-host, I've been co-host with him for 25, 30 years, something like that. I don't think I have the legal authority to decide when you can date Judy. <laughs> I don't think that's the way it works, but I don't know. I'd have to look into the bylaws or something. Um, Yeah. And one more thing I was going to do. How much time have I got, Michael? I want to decide how, before I get on a... Got about a minute 30. I got a minute 30. Yeah, this question of um, having Putin cornered in a situation where he feels he's got no choice but to do what he threatened yesterday, and that is he put his nuclear team on high alert. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you you don't want to let the guy off the hook in any way. Uh, Here's the tweet from Marco Rubio, Senator from Florida. Danger in all caps. Very Trump-like. Uh, Putin's legitimacy is built on the image as a strong leader who restored Russia to superpower after the disaster of the 90s. Now the economy is in shambles and the military is being humiliated, and his only tools to reestablish power with the West is cyber and nukes. I, yeah, yeah, you got to wonder about that. If, he, if he's as isolated as people are claiming, and his military is being embarrassed, and his economy is being destroyed... Is he going to feel like, what have I got to lose? Seriously, what have I got to lose? I might have oligarchs in my palace, or I don't even know where he is or what he lives in. But do I have oligarchs in my compound right now that want to poison me and kill me? Well, then what the hell? I'm going out with a bang, and I'm going to set off a nuke, and I'm going to see if I can pull this thing you know, out at the last minute. Hail Mary. I don't know. This is a long way from over. And smarter people than me have have been uh, contemplating what I just said. So, as President Zelensky, the hero to the world, said himself, the next 24 or 48 hours are crucial in this. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong again. There are reports from NBC News right now of a school being destroyed in Kharkiv. That might be the sort of cluster bombing that Russia's willing to do. Schools, hospitals, that's what they did in Ukraine. I mean, in Syria. And won. And the world led him. Uh, Let's get some final thoughts now. Let's start with Michelangelo, the board operator. You know, I thought uh, you comparing this war situation to a sporting event was perfect, where the underdog is winning, but you're worried the more experienced team is eventually going to come back and win. I'm rooting for the underdog, that's all I can say. The team with the most players, the deepest bench, you know, et cetera, et cetera, usually wins. Not always. 
but usually they pull it out in the end. Uh, Alex, I know you're headed off on a bachelor party. What's your final thought? I am heading off Vegas. I will be back next week, but you talk about sporting events. Uh, there was three major auto racing events yesterday, complete capacity crowds. I think the world is starting to get back to some semblance of normal, but don't hold me to it. Are you a drinker? Uh, not really, no. Not really, okay. Because when you told me you're doing nearly an entire week in Las Vegas, I, I, you know, I'm a drinker and I hung around drinkers, and you usually can't pull off more than like a day or two in Vegas before you got to get out of there be- with your tail between your legs. But if you're not really a drinker, then yeah. maybe doing, can... doing a lot of experiences, nah. right, driving supercars, golf, <laughs> etc. Here's my experience, sleeping on the floor next to the toilet. That's my experience with my cheek up against the, the, cold, the cold porcelain. Trying not to die. That's that's. Those are the experiences in Vegas. I, I, I never saw a Blue Man Group. I've never seen Cirque du Soleil there. I've never seen Celine Dion. I have leaned up against the wall in the shower, hoping not to fall down, though. Uh, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We were supposed to have the day off, and we all decided, you know what? We're going to come in. This is a major historical event, and uh, I'm glad we did. A lot of interesting stuff, some good guests. Joe will be back tomorrow, and we'll have the very latest. Let's all hope that the good men and women of Ukraine fighting for their lives survive the day. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. What are you doing? Worst episode ever. That's the fact, Jack. Have you considered being good at your job? I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm rubber, and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just complete, utter nonsense. You dare to dance in the path of greatness. It was epic. And that's it. Oh, Words. Damn. Whap. 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 Whoa. Whoa. Okay. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.